Alright everybody, we are back again. Welcome to the Text Lab. Will, wasn't sure if we are going to make it this morning, but here we are. Now here we are, Carl. I know you and Drew and Jen had the best vacation this past weekend. You took a little trip. So, Just yeah. to clarify, we were not on vacation. We got to spend some time with RCC down in Yorba Linda, which was awesome, and just see what God is doing there with their church. But it is good to be back, Will. I missed you. Miss hanging out. And for those that don't know, this is the Text Lab, where every single week we do a deep dive into the text to help you prepare for life group this week. Our goal is simple, to help you be a disciple who makes disciples. So whether you're leading a life group or just trying to do some deep diving on your own, we hope that this helps you have a meaningful study, reflection, and conversation about what God has said to us in his word. This week, we are in Romans chapter 1, 18 through 32. Will, take us into the text. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they know God, They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to their lusts of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies amongst themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, their gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, Inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges For in passing judgment on one another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. So much here will Paul hitting on quite a few different themes in this section. I think this is going to be a really important text for our life groups to walk through, to talk through. I think this will bring up hopefully some very uh, robust conversation in the groups. Um, Paul here kind of talking about 
really just God's wrath on unrighteousness. And really, you know, one thing that I think about with this is that we don't always have kind of a biblical theology of sin, even. Sin gets defined in a lot of different ways, especially in today's date age. And so, well, as you read through this, if you were going to define sin, just even what is a definition of sin? What is sin? Yeah, sin is... I think you see it here, 24, 25, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. I think all sin can be summed up like this. All sin is a worship of creature and the things that creature creates instead of the creator. We, I, when I preached last time, we talked a little bit about this of saying like, there are two distinct distinctions. You have creator God, who is the, our triune God, and then everything else that he makes, right? And so what we do is what sin is, is when we choose All of us willingly choose to worship created things over the creator God. And you know what I love about that definition of sin is that it really helps us understand sin as connected to the person and being of God, the creator, versus just sin understanding it as kind of this moral to-do list. Sin isn't something that hey, I've just kind of broken the rules. Sin is something that has offended the character and nature of God. It's deeply connected to who he is. Sin is something that is not reflective or in line with the character and nature of who God is, his being, his presence, his character, his divine attributes. And so really when we're thinking about sin, it's an offense against a being. It's an offense against a person, the personhood of God, not just a moral to-do list, which I think really changes the way that we start to think about sin uh, when we when we understand it in that way. A definition that I grew up with as sin was kind of the Awana definition of missing the mark. And while that is true, it kind of brings up metaphors of like a bullseye. And while that is true that you are missing what you are aiming for, there's no definition there that's connected actually to a being or to a person. I think that's a big deal. And I, I also want to like clarify this. Like we think of sin as missing the mark, like we're trying to hit the center of the bullseye and we're missing. It's actually not like that at all. Sin is the bullseye is on one side and we're turning our back and shooting the arrow and being like, no, this is the target I want to hit. Mm. We're not actually shooting for what God wants in those situations. I think that's important. We're not like, we're not trying to be like, okay, God, this is what you want. We're turning our backs to the creator God and saying, nope, I'm making the rules now. This is my earth. This is what I get to partake in. I think when we think about sin, like we, like when we think about morality, we think about, okay, I'm good enough before God. When like, or I just missed the mark. I'm going to try and do better next time, which is not the gospel at all. Like it's actually contrary to what God says sin is and contrary to like who we are as humanity It's like, no, we willingly want to turn our backs to the mark that God has given us and shoot and fire at whatever we possibly can to have our own trophy and completely disobey what God has for us. And that's where sin ultimately is a matter of the throne of our heart to use the metaphor that we talk a lot about here at VG is I am turning away and shooting at my own target that I want to, and instead actually saying, okay, God, 
I need you. I surrender. Um, I need your grace to cover me. I need your righteousness to cover me, as Paul has talked about in Romans 1, the righteousness of God. And now I need you fully to help me um, walk in the direction and in the way that you want me to walk in. Um, As Paul gets into this, he's kind of talking about how God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Almost this idea of God had been holding back kind of this common grace over everyone and all things to hold back them from pursuing their own way. Um, but then here it talks about God kind of giving that up. Do you think here Paul's talking about a specific moment, a specific instance, or just kind of talking a little bit more broadly about like human nature as a whole? As yeah. we get into, get into 24 and 26, what do you think he's talking about there? Well, I think there can be both, right? I think that sin always has consequences. So it doesn't matter like when there's going to be moments where if you murder someone, there are consequences for murder. Saying that, honestly, what I think is going on here, and I think we would probably agree on this, is that it's a more overarching view of humanity, our sinfulness in our own lives. Like it's not just a singular moment of being like, well, that, that that was a little bit too far there, right? Like, it's not about that at all. It's saying like, no, this is actually your nature. This is what you want. God is like, this is something that I think is so important when we talk about sin. God is only giving us the depth of the desires that we want to partake in more. Like, he's not saying, hey, I know you don't want to do this. I'm going to force you to do this. He's actually saying, no, you want this. I'm going to freely give yourself to this, regardless of how much in the past I've withheld from you because uh, of the destruction that sin causes. Like, sin is never safe. There's always destruction that sin causes and ripple effects and brokenness throughout the entirety of the world. You even see that in creation. Which I think is such a big deal because it really helps you understand the starting point when you're talking about sin. It really helps you understand the depth of your own desperate dependence on Jesus. This sin isn't something where it's like, I'm a pretty good person and sometimes I mess up. What it is is, no, my heart is always prone to turn away from God and shoot at my own target in my own way that I want to be unthrown in my heart. And it's only because of God's grace, his common grace and his specific grace and favor and salvation that's pulling us out of our uh, uh, depravity giving us new hearts, giving us new desires to pursue him. That's only through his power and his means and his ability, which changes the way we kind of live every day as we think about uh, sin, as we think about our own nature and orientation. It really helps you wake up in the morning and say, God, I have nothing to bring to the table today. I desperately need you. I'm desperate and I'm dependent on on you. There's this image in C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce, where they're talking about these people who are not choosing God. um, But then even as they hear the clear warnings and they have the opportunity to come to God, they still don't choose him and they choose what they want, what they've always wanted. And it's just kind of this picture of like, oh, our hearts are naturally prone to walk away from God. And it is only through God's grace that he's actually pulling us closer to him. As we think about sin in a post-Christian world, in a secular world, in a post-modern world, how do you even start engaging in a conversation with a yet-to-believe friend, neighbor, family, coworker about sin? I mean, this conversation uh, is different now when people don't even have any sort of concept maybe of their own sin or when all um, morals are relativistic. How do you even start that conversation? 
One, I, I love what we say around here at VG that we're not trying to answer questions that people aren't asking yet. There's go like I I've found this to be so true, right? It's like you and I and us, everyone who's listening to the podcast, we are not the Holy Spirit. Like us playing the Spirit is gonna do a lot of damage in people's lives. But what we can do is sin Here's the thing. People are going to step into moments and places and spaces in a postmodern culture where they're like, oh, all truth is my truth. I get to determine what is true, what is good, what is right. And so when they sin, because they will sin, there's going to be something that happens in their life. There's going to be people that they need to go talk to about that sin, right? It could be your buddy who's living with his girlfriend. It could be your friend who's just, you know what? I only care about my kid's success to get into Harvard. It, it's, it could be along the spectrum of however you define it, right? Of however you say they are trading what God wants for them for what they want. And so we get to step in and be like, hey, like, that's caused a lot of devastation. Your kid is stressed out because, man, this is the only thing that you want for them. Or, yeah, like, you're coming to me talking about, I don't have a place to live because I'm living with my girlfriend and I'm realizing that I'm living in sin. And, like, so we get to step in and be like, this is the truth of the gospel. Like, we're going to help you hopefully find a place to live. We're going to help you find more joy in Jesus. But that's what this is about. It's about trading the idea of the good life for the true kingdom living good life that we get to step in and walk in every single day. Yeah, I think I love what you said earlier about sin always having consequences, never being safe. Like you still, even in this broken world that we fill in, we live in, there's still, everything is pointing back to the garden and people still experience the bitterness, the brokenness, the darkness in, of sin. And usually in those moments, in those places, that's a way that kind of can help people wake up to something bigger uh, and greater beyond themselves. When their life is hitting the wall and they're on their knees, they recognize I need God, the way that I have been trying to do it is not working. And that really opens up a window and an opportunity for a conversation to, to really start to talk with thrown to the heart. I mean, I think it's important that you don't put band-aids on um, broken legs here because having just a conversation of sin about sin and even these things that Paul is list- listing, he even talks in verse 24 and 25 of this is going back to this core problem of serving the creature rather than the creator all sin that we see going on, it's because people are serving the the creature, not the creator. And that's where we have to get to in a conversation with someone, which is going to take trust. It's going to take time. It's going to take relationship. Um, But I think that's the place that we go back to. As you think about this in your own life, Will, like where are just the spots that really stick out to you this week about that? Yeah, I love going to 2-1, right? Um, because you almost have this this idea that Paul is speaking to, or at least in my mind, speaking to like, okay, let me tell you about all of the sin that's happening in your culture. And then he like flips it as like, no, actually, this is you. It's not just the sin that's happening in your culture. He's saying like, look, this is you because you the judge practice the very same things that you're judging other people for. And so for me, I want to love the sinner and hate my own sin. I grew up in a culture, like, especially like after I came to know Jesus, um, it's like, love the sinner, hate the sin. And it's like, how do you even separate the two as a human being? Like, 
especially because everything we talked about today of being like, oh no, people willingly do this. That is who they are in their nature. And so for me, it's like, actually, how do I just take the log out of my own eye? How do I hate my sin and love the people who don't love Jesus yet? How about you? So good. So good. I I think for me, it's, it's just this reality of I am desperate independent without the spirit in my life I'm pursuing my own way it is only through God's grace that any sort of real fruit and transformation and growth in life is happening and that keeps me in a place of being on my knees I love Paul's direct uh, instruction on that to the Roman church because it is just this reminder of like yes this is who I am I'm desperate independent how do I just stay on my knees broken humble knowing I bring nothing to the table it's only through God's grace every single day so listener thanks for being with us on the text lab whether you're at the gym cleaning the house mowing the lawn playing some pickup soccer. We hope you feel equipped, encouraged, and ready to walk through the text with your group this week. As always, do your own prep. Let the Spirit lead you and know that you are the one who's sent by God this week to your family, to your school, to your work, to the coffee shop, to the pickup soccer field, to the gym, and to wherever your prayer watch community might be and wherever God invites you to go this week. You were sent to be the living proof of our loving God. We love you all. We'll catch you next time on the Text Lab.